all the way. Praise God. Uh, now we come to <clears throat> the next portion or segment of our study, and uh, it's found in two verse, three verses, sorry, three verses, Acts 1, 12 through 14. So continuing in our exposition of the Acts of the Holy Spirit via the Apostles. Hear the word of the Lord. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Let us pray. Father, give light even in these few seemingly small event-wise and in terms of doctrinal import verses. And do so, Lord, to the good of our souls, to the praise of your grace. In Christ's name, amen. entitled this in the upper room and we have heard over the years I'm sure uh, reference to the upper room and sometimes uh, it's made into a ministry or the name of a, of a church and and that's that's fine that's, that's well and good but let's understand it for the purpose that it served even as uh, the Lord serves his purpose in using his people in the service of his kingdom. It says in the introduction, uh, which is the, uh, verse 12, I would, I would uh, have you hear again. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. So they're going back to Jerusalem, which was like returning to the den of the wolves, because that was where they were in fear and trembling for their lives. And now they're going back. And the place specifically to which they would resort, it says in verse 13, is an upper room. They went into an upper room and their abode. Now, it doesn't mean that they lodged there and that they had their meals there like when you, you're camping out, like the special forces, you know, in Afghanistan. No. Uh, they would assemble every day and spend time in prayer and in the word and that in expectation of the descent of the spirit of the living God as was told them by our Lord. Some think it was one of the upper rooms in the temple, but 
that cannot be because the chief priests who have control over that would not allow them to, uh, to go there. Uh, and, and perhaps especially now that they're marked men. Although in the past they would continually resort to the temple as, as, as told by Luke in uh, his uh, gospel such as in the courts of the temple, the side rooms of the main sanctuary, such as this is like a side room to the main church over there, uh, which they were able to do at any hour of the, of the day, like they do to this day um, in, in, in Jerusalem. But this probably was a private house. Perhaps it was the house of John the Evangelist who took uh, our Lord's mother Mary into his care as he was bidden by the Lord to do, or perhaps the home of uh, Mary, the mother of John Mark, who was a later to be a disciple of the Apostle Paul, and who would be instrumental in the writing of the gospel, probably the first gospel, the gospel of Mark. And it's probably the same place where the disciples, upon the death of Christ, hid in fear and trembling of the Jews. Now the company of them is you heard me read uh, the names were, were, were written they weren't concealed <laughs> uh, the, the Bible does, does hide uh, the Lord does at times hide things such as from the wise and prudent uh, using parables but uh, by and large the, the Lord reveals he's a revealer a revealer of truth and, and especially of sin even of his people's sins can you imagine that he, he doesn't hold back from uh, revealing things that uh, could possibly jeopardize the work of the kingdom. But, but here it is. And so we have here included in this assembly three, three uh, elements or parts. We have the 11 apostles. One's missing, of course. That's Judas Iscariot, who hung himself, committed suicide. And then there were the women. And then finally there were Jesus' relatives. Now, Luke was very explicit in naming the 11. And uh, he does so in a way to show continuity between Jesus' ministry and the apostles who would be the foundation of the church, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, as what Paul would say, or, or, uh, allude to in his uh, letter to the Ephesians. Luke also draws attention to the faithful women who accompanied and, and uh, physically were there for Jesus in his ministry unlike the men. What can I say? <laughs> the Lord gives different gifts to uh, different genders, right? Uh, they had witnessed his death, and they received the first news of his resurrection. They were on, this, on site, as you recall. Now, Luke's discussion of women serve to indicate that the barriers are gender, and you know how big that issue is nowadays, were abolished at least in regards to the participation of the church, which are men and women, boys and girls, in its witness with power in the world. And also, as was mentioned already, uh, Mary, the mother of our Lord, is, is present. And, and this would be the last time you would hear of Mary in the scriptures. And isn't this not an indication of her role, how her role has, has ended, as it were, and not uh, has its continuation such as it does in, in some circles of Christendom to, the, to this day, which is, is really, it's not biblical, especially as uh, 
it is her son who is the Savior. And, and, and she, upon uh, the get-go, would allude to how Jesus Christ is the Savior in whom her heart rejoices and her soul uh, rejoices. And there were others, the brethren of our Lord, his kinsmen according to the flesh. Uh, James, for one, who becomes a believer later on in the game and uh, who becomes the leader of the apostolic, uh, at least the, uh, uh, the church in Jerusalem. He was never an apostle. but And he also wrote the book of James. Marvelous. And, uh, and, and, and there were uh, uh, others as well uh, who came to faith uh, after the fact. And, and uh, so uh, in this 150, which there finally was uh, in the upper room, uh, more than likely the 70 disciples that the Lord called were, were included in them. And again, um, associated with the apostles and, and themselves employed as evangelists. Some of the uh, first evangelists were, were deacons, perhaps. Those were amongst those 70 that were called by our Lord uh, toward the end of his uh, ministry. Now, their purpose is described in verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. That was their purpose. Pray. There are times when we study the Bible. There are times when we worship. Now, we worship when we pray, of course. But... but what I'm speaking about is, is, is that season of prayer. That season of prayer. Notice they all continue with one accord in prayer, such as the ladies do, for example, every Wednesday. And I uh, at times uh, uh, key in on uh, they're praying because I can't help it. I'm in, in the same house under the same roof. And I'm so blessed. Even on one occasion, uh, uh, given the privilege to pray with them when we went to Old Town and, uh, and uh, prayer had to be at that time because uh, we weren't home yet for my wife to be able to pray with the ladies and uh, so I thank the Lord for that and I don't think they're against the men praying with them but uh, as a rule as a rule they are of course praying as a women's prayer uh, group but nevertheless there's prayer of all kinds and you know when there's revival usually that's what prefaces revival is when people are down on their faces praying to God for in, for his intercession for his intercession for his church. In fact, there are many, many stories of, of, of prayer uh, and how the Lord uh, worked in revival in later times. But we're going to focus uh, first on, on, on this one, uh, the ultimate, as it were, or the uh, one that uh, would set the pattern for the prayer meeting, as it were, uh, to follow in the life of God's people in the life of his church. Notice that they gather in a... Uh, according to your uh, bulletin, there's a picture there, right? Uh, a spacious room, uh, that upper room was. Uh, a spacious room. Of course, this is all dressed up now, you know. <laughs> I saw uh, one, uh, what probably was the original one, and it's uh, not as, as uh, pretty and, and, and dressed up as this one. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, it was a very spacious place in which to wait on the Lord. Above the tumult and the prying eyes of, of uh, the street traffic. And here, all of God's people are praying. That's how you know God's people. Granted, there are others, cults, world religions that, that, that pray as, as a group, that pray as a whole. But certainly, God's people are known as praying people. 
And if they're not, there's a problem. There's a problem. They are those who give themselves over to prayer. How's your prayer life? You pray privately, especially privately. You pray with your families. Of course, you pray with your church. And this was a time of trouble, danger. The disciples' lives were on the line. They were sheep amongst wolves in the midst of the wolves of the Sanhedrin and of the unbelieving Jewry of their day. And they had a new work before them that they were yet being to, to be broken into, as it were. And a great work, probably overwhelming. Probably they were saying, who, who is sufficient for these things? How, how could we even begin to do what you're calling us to do? And we're afraid to be in our own country, in our own backyard, and yet you're calling us to go into the world? And so before they entered upon this great enterprise, they needed to go to God in prayer. They needed to wait for the descent of the Spirit of God as promised by our Lord, as promised in the, in the scriptures of the Old Testament. They need to wait for the Spirit as He came upon our Lord early on in the onset of His ministry when it says in Luke 3, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also, being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. So this is not the first, this would not be the first time. And so why not also then? For they needed the power of God to fulfill this commandment more than anything else. Even as he said upon his ascent into his glory. When he says, Tarry in Jerusalem, and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And they continued in prayer. You have to pray and pray until you break through the heavens that sometimes are like brass, and your, and your, your prayer just seem to bounce off, come back, and you feel this sadness, or at least this anxiety that God is not hearing, God is not listening. And yet he says, that he, or he said, did he not pray and not faint? Pray and not faint. He says, shall not God avenge his own elect which cried day and night unto him though he bear long with them? He bear long with our infirmities, he bear long with our sins. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, he sh shall he find faith on the earth. Truly, many are called, but few are chosen. But that does not in any way or should not in any way impact our mission, our purpose. His commandment that he is calling us to fulfill by our following him into the fields that are wide unto harvest. And we're to do so in unity. They did this with one accord, did they not? And that is pray. They're, they're, they're still in the prayer mode. They're still uh, strategizing, as it were. Part of their strategizing, a very, very essential part of their strategizing is praying, is bringing this to our God, is, is, is communing with, with the one who is our commander-in-chief who is calling us to battle, who is calling us into service. And so this intimates that they were together in holy love and that there was no quarreling or discord among them. I, 
I assure you, when you have a common enemy out there, and especially when your life is on the line, you, you learn to get over some of those little small quips and quibbles, you know, that, that you have. You know, the things that, that ought not to be in your life anyway. And, 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 and God's problems are not in your life anyway because of the circumstances that surround your, your situation. And, and, and this, in order to fulfill his prayer for unity in his church, as Paul would put it, to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace in his church, and to begin to set the pattern for the church, because this is how the church is going to be. It's going to be following the template of Acts chapter 1. That in order to best be prepared to receive the comforts that are contained therein, in his promise, promises, and especially this promise of his Holy Spirit. And this also intimates that they're concurring together in supplications for one another and for all saints everywhere. Even as uh, Paul would, would pray uh, uh, later on, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. He's not making exceptions. He's not saying pray for only part of the church, but not all the church. Or pray only for this one, but not for the one that, that, that don't favor you or that you don't favor. I mean, who are we to judge? Who are we to say who's a Christian who's not? Except by their words, by their fruits. And even then, we, 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 we still pray. And we still lament uh, if, the, if there are things that are not in order in people's lives and, and, and seek to be uh, uh, available, to seek to be... Uh, for them, uh, uh, the one by whom the wonderful counselor would avail himself in revealing his truth and revealing his love to their hearts and to their minds. And though it was only one who spoke, and that is Peter, they all were praying together at one point, were they not? And when they uh, would touch on any subject, they would all agree so that what is done on earth would be done in heaven. Or they are in a situation that is very, very, very unique, very difficult, very trying, and, and it could go any way or either way because of their weakness and their separation from their Lord in whom they placed so much of their faith and trust and hope for the success of their, of their, of their existence and of their uh, purpose as God's people. Not to mention all those things that uh, beleaguer us uh, with disappointment and, and even physical fatigue and wanting to throw in a towel at the end of the day in the night and to give up in the service of Christ. No, they went to their knees in prayer. And they did that incessantly. And so is this what we do? Is this what we do when we are in a similar situation since? Uh, that uh, occasion of that upper room prayer of God's people, let us follow their example. Let us wait on the Lord who promises to answer. As he said, as our Lord said uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke, as is recorded in the Gospel of Luke, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. 
and tarry you here in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. This is no less true today than it was back then. In fact, more so. Christ says that if, if he did great things in his day, will he not do even greater things, even to the salvation of souls that are dead in trespasses and sins, that are on their way to hell? He's going to turn them 180 degrees and send them to heaven, and we're going to be the instrument that God uses. Ever thought about that? Ever thought of the blessing of being used in someone's life to disciple them for Christ, and to make them a child of God who are once children of the devil? Uh, we are also waiting because it's a transition period, you see. Uh, and that is between Christ's completed work on earth and the work of the Holy Spirit from heaven who is yet to be sent down. Now, he was already in God's people. He was in God's people in the Old Testament. He was in his apostles uh, when they were uh, starting out and, and uh, were with him when he was on this earth. But now he would come in, in, in glorious power and revealing uh, something to, the, to them that would send them on their way and not just rejoicing but being effective servants of the living God. Our Lord says in John 16, 7 through 11, this, John 16, 7 through 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. Get that? I have to go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit will not come. Now, the Holy Spirit could come anyway. In fact, the Holy Spirit has come. But not in this fashion. But if I depart, I will send him unto you, I the Father. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin, because they believe not on me. He's going to convict them of their sin, of unbelief, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Through his resurrection and ascension, we are justified. We are imputed with the righteousness of another. And that is the basis by which we enter heaven. That's our ticket to heaven. Our ticket to heaven is nothing short of perfect righteousness, perfect holiness, perfect obedience, and we don't got it. It's Christ who provides that for us. And it's sufficient unto our salvation, even our being with the Lord in heaven. And of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. And so, this is what the Holy Spirit will do. And we'll, of course, talk more about that when that time comes. But this is what the Holy Spirit will do through them. This is how the Holy Spirit works, is by convicting them, that is, those who will hear the gospel of sin, and of righteousness and of judgment to come through the disciples. And so it was reserved for the Spirit to make good on Christ's promise. And before the curtain should be drawn and he makes his entrance, there is a breathing time of 10 days 
wisdom of God to settle into the hearts and minds of God people. And all that goes along with that, including courage and boldness and strength and valor. And so meanwhile, they continue in prayer. And that atmosphere of the Spirit, in which the Spirit is gracious to work in as we walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. And we who are sincerely waiting on God will be found waiting on God when He comes in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. So, conclude, let me read uh, Acts 1.14 again. These all continued with one prayer, with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Is this what we will do? Is this us? Is this you? Is this me? Shall we pray? Father, thank you for this upper room. It served multiple purposes. It's like this uh, Williams Hall. It serves several purposes, most of all as a house of prayer. And we thank you for the upper room there, and we thank you for this upper room and the upper room of your church where your people gather in your name and seek your face and turn from their evil ways in which you look down from heaven and hear their cries as you are open, Lord. Your ears are open unto the cries of your children while your face is against them that will do evil. Thank you, Lord, for this example. Thank you, Lord, for what uh, is yet to be revealed uh, to your church then. And we know uh, it for the most part in retrospect, but Lord, as we uh, embark upon this exposition of this book, uh, thank you, Lord, for what is ahead in our study of your church. In Christ's name, amen. Let us now sing our last hymn of praise, shall we, and stand, and that's 542.